Welcome to All Around Wellness Podcast, where we believe self-deception is killing your productivity, distractions are inevitable, and creating a clear behavior-focused plan in every area of your life is the key to reaching your long-term goals. I'm your host, Zach Pritchard, and I will be interviewing some of the top experts in many different fields to destroy the deception you're putting on yourself and help you break through that barrier so that you can live who you are meant to be. everybody we're back again for another episode um for all around wellness podcast we've got a special guest here um D- uh danny daniel bruce levin um he's the author of a book called the mosaic um and so levin walked away with from an opportunity to run a mi- billion dollar business to hitchhike around the world to find happiness and inner peace he studied in, in a seminary five years and left one day before one day before becoming a rabbi and he has lived as a monk in a a monastery for 10 years as a director of business development he grew a house from three million a year in sales to a hundred million a year in revenue Um, levin is a rare blend of businessman and mystic who sees what others do not see it has been this one quality more more than any other that has thrown him into some of the most exclusive boardrooms to help companies innovate new ways of finding solutions when the old ways stop working. He's the author of The the Mosaic, a life-changing fable that invites people to listen to those others do not, invites people to listen to those others do not hear and to see the situations in life differently. To learn more about um, Dan, to, Learn more about him. I will give you. I'll put in the the link to his website and his uh, book and stuff in the show notes so that you can um, kind of find it and, and get in contact with him. But Daniel, welcome to our show. Um, I wanted to go ahead and read that because I think it really depicts the kind of the interesting part of who you are, and um, hopefully, it really gets people's interest in in listening to the show. So, um, welcome. Are you there? Really, what's important is and if, if in our conversation here with each other, people feel something in what we're doing that allows them to experience something, that's going to be the best, that's going to be the best news. We want to be able to touch people in this moment. Who cares what I've done in the past, right? I could have done anything in the past. If, if what I say right now doesn't have any impact, it doesn't mean none of it matters or, or I could lived under a bridge for 60 years. And, and if what I say right now has impact and touches people, then who cares that I lived under a bridge for 60 years. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we, we spend so much of our time telling people about who we used to be or who we want them to think we are. I just want people to see us as we are. Just like that. two people sitting down to have a conversation with each other. Right. Yes, sir. I like that a lot. Um, so, you know, what, what's interesting to me about your, um, you know, your history and that type of thing, like kind of brings me to the point of like my whole, the whole reason for this podcast is to destroy that self-deception, to, to destroy the, the common thought that, you know, we fall into or we don't want to 
think outside the box, so to speak, or, or, you know, have an open mind um, in that regard. And, and I think you're, you've been the, I mean, a walking ex like experience of thinking outside the box or be having an open mind and always looking for that, that new, um, new way of thinking and a different way of thinking. And so I think I, I just really intrigued about having this conversation with you just to kind of pick your brain a little bit and see what drove you to, to always have that mindset and um, kind of how do you keep, keep that mindset up? Um, great, great. I, I, I love that as the basis of our conversation because I think it's so fascinating because we tend to live siloed in like-minded communities of people. We, we, we think like the people who think like us. We believe like the people who believe like us. We go to the same churches that they go to. We go to the same buildings that they go to. We do the same things that they do. But this world's full of so much diversity and so many different ways of seeing exactly the same thing. And when you go into a company, if you continue to do things the way a company is always doing them, you'll never innovate. You'll always, you'll be left behind in the dust. You'll be, you'll be eating someone else's smoke as they innovate new ways of doing things. So how do we innovate in business? We look for new ways of seeing the same thing we've always looked at. We look at new ideas. We, we listen to other people. We listen to, to voices that we normally wouldn't listen to. When I wrote the mosaic, the book, I was a little bit of a snob, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, I was a spiritual person. I, I, I was spent 10 years in a monastery. I wanted to keep a vibration in all the conversations that I had. I didn't really want to speak with people that were lower vibrations, so to speak, quote unquote, whatever the hell that means now, looking back, what an idiot I was. What does that even mean? Right. But I used to only eat at certain restaurants where they were conscious about the way they cooked their food. So I would never eat like a fast foods place. But when I wrote the mosaic, what was interesting is the characters that came through were not people that you would expect. It's a story about a boy who loses his parents two years apart on the same day. And when he asks the adults where his parents are, they tell him they're in a place called heaven. So the boy sets out in search of the place called heaven. But he doesn't meet the clergy and the religious and the spiritual and the swamis and the yogis and the, you know, all the, all the medicine men and women and the Aborigines elders. He meets the trash man and the homeless guy, the road worker and the street artist. He meets an assortment of common, ordinary people. And he wonders, why am I sitting with these people? Like, what are these people gonna show me about heaven? But Zachary, in every single case, when he sits and listens to them, tell him, tell him their story, what he sees over and over and over again, that the person he initially saw isn't at all who this person is. And it isn't because they changed. It's because he now sees them through the story that they painted of their life. And so when we take time with anybody to sit with them and just listen to their story, we can't help but be jolted away from the belief system that we have of who we thought they were. We're told don't judge a book by its cover, but that's all we do. Yeah. We, look at, we look at the way a person looks. We look at the way a person speaks. We look at the way they dress. We, we look at all sorts of things. I remember walking into a boardroom. I was hired to do an, uh, a presentation, a, a, a workshop with them on innovation. And I walked into this fancy boardroom. Every tables were very immaculately polished. 
watched and people were sitting there waiting for their presenter to come and they were in three-piece suits and the women were wearing Armani two-piece suits, you know, and everybody looked just beautiful. And I walked in in a t-shirt and jeans. And they said, can we help you please? We're about to start a meeting. And I said, yeah, I understand that. Um, they said, I said, yeah, you could probably help me. And they said, well, what is it? Do you need to pick up the trash? You need to be quick. The, the, our presenter is going to come soon. I said, oh, really? Okay. Uh, where is the trash? And they said, the trash can's over here. I said, I think there's a lot more trash in this room than just in that trash can. And they said, what are you talking about? I said, well, like, let's take a look at it. You hired me to come and do a conference on innovation, but because I'm wearing a t-shirt and jeans and you're in three-piece suits, you think that I'm not prepared to do that for you. How are you doing on your innovation so far? <laughs> and we had one of the best innovation workshops. They, they write me to this day and say, we've never had somebody who's changed the, our, our perspective like you have. When we get too stuck on seeing the world the way we see the world, that's the only world we'll ever see. But as soon as I can sit with you and say, hey, Zachary, how do you see the world? And listen to you and really understand that you're looking at the same world I'm seeing, but seeing it from a slightly different perspective or maybe a vastly different perspective. And when I can embrace the way you see the world into the way I see the world, we create a beautiful mosaic of different ways of seeing the world. And that has so much richness to it. It gives us such a diverse way of seeing what we always look at. And yet in the world we look at now, the world we see now, we cancel people because of what they believe. We say, well, you believe in him or you don't believe in him, cancel. You're, I'm not going to be your friend. Yeah. We're in an intellectual civil war right now where we are taking sides against each other. But this world wasn't meant to live on the sides. It was meant to come into the middle. And in the middle, there are no sides. There's just us. Absolutely. And when we figure us out, we figure out the world that we live in. And we take that to all the sides. Then we grow from the center out rather than destruct ourselves from the outside in. That's awesome. I, I really love that. So what... You know, what, what comes to mind is, you know, you talk about innovation in a business world um, or in, you know, especially like in today's age. I mean, with with all that's going on right now, people had to innovate quickly um, back in March. They had to um, kind of change what they were doing really fast or they were, weren't going to be around. And so um, but but for those like, you know. For a business to innovate, I think it starts with that person, that that owner, that leader has to have that that uh, mentality in them already or they're willing to stay open to that, I guess. So I guess where does that innovation mindset come from um, within ourselves, and how, or how do we, um, I guess, find that innovation mindset within within ourselves if that makes sense yeah it totally makes sense and i'm going to use an example that i see there's a fly that keeps landing on your cheek yes right and and that's where the innovation comes from when the situation keeps annoying us so much that it keeps landing on us it keeps coming to us it's like that fly on your cheek right like look how beautiful the world is when we suddenly see that it's the way we believe and the way we're living is, an, is allowing this annoyance to come to us, 
we look for a new way of doing what we do. And, and revolution or innovation, let's call it innovation. I'm an I'm a old 60s guy, you know, so I'm like a, a revolution. But I really want to start a revolution of listening. And the revolution doesn't only start from the top down. There's, there's many ways to bring innovation and change into the world. Sometimes it happens from the top down. That's the most enjoyable way when the leaders and the people unite together and the, the leaders lead what the people want to have happen. But you see on the streets right now in our country that we live in, that innovation is also happening from the people, from the bottom up. They're saying, I'm tired of the way this is happening. I'm tired of the way politics, whatever side you're on, it sucks. Anybody who watched that debate, you know, it doesn't matter which, which camp you're a part of. You don't like it. It's just not the way we believe. That's the way we should be talking. We didn't, we didn't learn anything about what people believe about the issues there. We learned how much we're children. Yeah, and you did this to me and you did that to me and you're doing, you know, and at what point do you just say, hold it, like that fly on her cheek, enough is enough. It's time to put a stop to this. Whatever, whatever, like, I don't, I don't want to live like this anymore. And when the people rise up and believe from the inside, there he comes again. See, I love it, right? <laughs> when, the people, when the people rise up from the bottom and say, we've had enough of this, then that's when innovation can happen too. So as individuals, we are not the leaders of our company, most likely. We are not the leaders of our country, most likely. But we are individuals who for all too long have felt like we don't have a voice and our voice doesn't matter. I'm here to tell you your voice does matter. And I'm here to tell you I want to listen to your voice. And I want to bring your voice out to the world and, and, and bring your innovation out. Because we are a mosaic of ideas. We are a mosaic of colors. We are a mosaic of religions and belief systems and borders and countries. And when we come together as all the pieces of that mosaic, the most is what we create is something far more beautiful than any individual piece on its own. Uh, absolutely. I mean, that, and, um, you know, at that point, like when, when, when you finally get to that point where you say you've had it and you, and you, you know, when we have to innovate, um, you know, I'm sitting, when you're sitting there that's talking about this, this dang fly, I'm like, where's my fly swatter? I've had it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm stopping this. Um, and so, um, but, I mean, Maybe speak a little bit to why you feel as humans, like we are, wh whether it's stubbornness or pride or whatever it is, but, you know, if we create a process of the way we do things in a, in a business, in our life, um, whatever, wherever that is, if we create that process, why is it that we are so um, stubborn to the fact that we don't want to change that um, until over and over and over again, something is like hammering at us like it's, we need to change it or it's not working or, you know, why does it take so long to make that change? So I was in a room with, I was in a room with a big motivational speaker, Tony Robbins, and he stood up on a stage in front of 10,000 people. And he said, how many of you like change? And everybody raised their hands. And he said, bullshit. He said, you don't like change. You like change you can control, but Absolutely. you don't like change. But just, you don't like, like when you're in control of the change, you love it. But when you don't have control of the change, you hate it. And, yeah. and we're scared to change. But how, like for your audience listening, for you, for me, we we'll have to be just enough to look at is where are the areas in our life where we are just not happy? 
where we know that we're, we're living in a situation that's causing us pain. Whether that's in the food that we eat, that's in the workplace that we go to, whether that's in the relationship we have with our wife or our husband, whether that's how we treat our kids, or whether that's the way we use ourselves in our government process. I can't believe anybody woke up or came into this world and thought, I'm going to spend my life fighting Democrats or Republicans and just, if they believe that or they don't like Trump or they do like Trump, I'm going to hate them. I don't believe that was ever what we came to. When do we say to ourselves, enough is enough? And when we get to that place where we say, I have no idea what will happen when I step off this ledge, because I'm going to have to step off a ledge. I'm comfortable in this. What, what is our comfort zone? Our comfort zone is a place where we're comfortable. And all around our comfort zone is edges. And until we come to those edges and step beyond those edges, we live in a comfort zone. So we would rather put up with the pain of this comfort zone than grow our edge. Yeah, And so it may be tremendously painful to live within my comfort zone, but I know the pain and I've gotten used to it. And I say, I'm going to stay here. I know that I, I'm, I do the same thing. I'm not saying I'm any, uh, you know, anybody different. I do exactly the same thing until it gets to the point where it's like that fly where you say, damn it, I'm done. Like yeah. I'm going to get up. I'm going to, and I'm going to, I'm sorry, fly, but you, you're bugging me right now. Yeah. And I'm going to take you out. And we got to do the same thing with our belief systems. And what might happen is we may step out through that edge and feel more pain. That might happen. That's a, it's like when we go outside of our comfort zone, it's not necessarily going to be all roses. And so we're scared to death of what that pain might be more than the pain we've grown to know. Yeah, absolutely. But guess what? It might be less than, and the, and the pain might disappear at that point too. Yeah. So how willing are you to take a look at the places in your life. I'm not talking just to you, Zach. I'm talking to everybody that's listening. And I hope I can call you Zach. Zachary, I should say. Perfect. All right. So how comfortable are we? How comfortable am I? To say, I don't want to live in this uncomfort anymore. I, wanna, I don't want to live in the pain that my life is embracing me in right now. I have no idea if I step out of this pain what's coming. It might be more pain. But if there's more pain, I can always turn around and come back to this one. I can always choose another option. Once yeah. I know that I'm no longer going to live in this reality, then I also know that I'm going, I'm going to, I'm not, I also know that I have a new reality that's possible. And that reality can change just like mosaic pieces. The beautiful thing about a jigsaw puzzle is every piece has to go in exactly the right place. You can't, you can't make a jigsaw puzzle by having the piece not fit in its place. And there's something exquisitely beautiful about that. But what I love is the beauty of a mosaic that every piece, every single piece can move to wherever it's, if it no longer feels comfortable where it is, you can just take it out and move it someplace else. There is no set place for any piece. And we are what we surround ourselves with. Yeah. So if we're, if we're comfortable in our discomfort, we will surround ourselves with that discomfort and we'll live our whole life wondering what would have happened if we would have had the courage to actually step out of that discomfort. What would we have experienced? Or we'll say, Hey, you know what? I don't have any idea. I'm just going to continue doing what I continue to do so I can continue to do what I continue to do, which doesn't make me happy, but that's okay. I'm going to continue to do it. 
what I like about all this stuff that's come through me through this book and through the words that I'm saying is it's so easy to understand. Yeah. Like this isn't complicated. This doesn't take, you know, religious diplomas or, or scientific treatises to understand. This is basically you and me sitting down and saying, are we going to be happy living the life like we're living right now? If, you're, if you say yes, celebrate, go live the life that you're living. How fabulous. Or is there something that's, that's that as good as my life is, as much as I'm enjoying it? Is there this little fleck in here, this little fly that keeps coming, this land on my cheek that I just wish wasn't here? How do we get rid of it? Are we willing to get rid of it? And I think it's just such a beautiful example. I love when life plays with us that way. Yeah. Right? And you notice the fly's not there coming then right now. Not right now, yeah. Right? Um, and so I, and I really, um, I really love this, this conversation that, that because it really just, it's at the basis of what I, why I was starting this podcast and, and, you know, it's the, I guess the general discussion around, um, being blinded to something that could be different, um, in that, in that regard. So I guess when you said something about being happy, like people, We'll do this, do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, but not getting it because they're doing the same thing. They're not changing the way they're doing it, which is the definition of insanity. But, you know, when, when you look at that, they're not happy, but they're still doing it. Um, so in the pursuit of happiness, you know, do we ever reach that happiness? Um, yeah. yeah, I think we do. And, and I, I can tell you from personal experience, yes, yes, you can. And yes, I have. And happiness to me is when you are completely content with what you have. I mean, don't take my words for it. Buddha said it. Buddha said unhappiness is when we want everything, everything but what we have. That's unhappiness. Happiness is when we are content with what we have. It doesn't mean we stay where we are. It just means we count. So many people live our life saying something like this. I will be happy when, or if this would happen, I would be happy. Well, guess what? You can be happy right now, right here. Not when that happens, not if that happens. What would make it, people have to look at what would allow you to be happy? What would allow us, what would allow me to be happy? right where I am. Is it the things out here that make me happy? Like, is it really if you were nicer to me or if my, this person talked to me or if my person, that person, if Trump wasn't president or was president, is that really going to make us happy? No, we'll find something else to bitch about, Barton, quite honestly. Right? <laughs> what if our happiness was right inside of ourselves? Yeah. What if we didn't have to have anything to make us happy except the sense of knowing ourselves. And Zach, I have to be honest with you. One of my biggest pains in my life is seeing how few people are happy. I've seen how few people know themselves. Do I have time to tell a story? Absolutely. When my parents passed away, we were a lower middle family. And I ended up moving from the East Coast of America to, to the Midwest. 
And in moving to the Midwest, we moved in with my mother's sister. Her husband happened to be a, a household name all around the world. So we went from a lower middle class family to an elite upper, upper, upper class family. And so the people that I started to meet, and the people that I hung out with now, were not scraping by in debt for their how to make a life work. They were the people who were leading corporations, government, all sorts of people. I became friends with those people. I, I knew their kids. I knew their parents. I, I stayed friends with them as we, were, as we went on. So I've had the opportunity to mix in my lifetime with some of the richest people the world has never I've also had the opportunity to sit on street corners with some of the poorest people the world has ever seen. And when I asked them what's important to them, all three of them, all, all of them said the same thing. They said, all they ever wanted is to be loved and accepted, listened to and heard, and acknowledged and validated. In my 65 years of being alive, no one's ever said to me, Danny, it's important to me that you believe like me. Why suddenly has that become so important? Yeah. I, have some of, I, have, I, have my, I have some friends with some of the most cockamamie ideas you could ever imagine. I would never believe what they believe. But if their life was at stake, I would take a bullet for them because I love them for who they are, not for what they believe. Yeah, absolutely. We have to get back to the place where we see people for who they are, not what they believe. We all want the same things. We all want to have the same situations happen. I remember one of the people that I met was Corey. He was a homeless man. And when I came up to sit with him, he said, no, 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 this is my corner. You can't sit here. Like, he can't sit here. Get away. This is my corner. Don't sit here. This is my corner. I own this corner. You can't sit here. And as a homeless man, he felt his, he felt his dignity was in that corner. And I said, I said, sir, I don't want anything from you. I just want to sit and listen to you. I want to talk with you and hear what, how life is for you. And he said, you're going to make it so I can't get any money. Because if I'm talking to you, people aren't going to give me money. I said, how much money would you make in a half an hour? He said, $5. I'd make $5. So I said, Put your, give me your hand. I went into my wallet and I took out $50 and I gave him $50. I said, so now you don't have to worry about your $5. But keep your hat out. You'll make more than five. You'll make more while we're talking here. And it's all for you. I don't want nothing from you. It took him about 45 minutes to open up to me. And I said to him, Corey, if you could say something to the people that are passing you by here, what would you say? And he said, can I tell you a story, Danny? And I said, sure. He said, being homeless sucks. I hate it. I'm ashamed of myself. I'm embarrassed by it. But it's on top of my own self-hatred of being homeless and the situations that have brought me to the street corner, people treat me like an animal. They treat me worse than an animal. They treat me like a thing. People walk by, they'll spit at me. They'll kick me. They'll punch me. I had a group of guys come by and beat the shit out of me. He said, one day I was sleeping and somebody urinated on me. Just yesterday, somebody threw a bag of human defecation at me. He said, it is terrible. He said, I, so I decided, like, I hate my life. People hate me. I'm not doing anything good for this world. 
when it becomes evening, right around the corner here is a street that nobody goes on. I'm going to go around that corner when it gets dark and I'm going to take my life tonight. It, nobody will matter. It won't matter to anybody. Two minutes after I had that thought, a man came up and put his hand on my shoulder. And he said, how you doing, brother? And Corey, in his way, said, I'm not doing so good. Please just keep going, sir. Don't, don't talk to me. I'm not doing good. Just, you, you, everything will be better if you just keep going. And the man said, I, I can't keep going. I asked you a question, and I want to hear an answer. And he sat down with them, and he put his arm around them. Three-piece suit, three suit, sitting with a man whose clothes were shattered and torn. Corey said he started to cry, big crocodile tears, that this man, important man, would sit and actually care enough about him to ask him how he's doing. And he started to tell him how he was doing. And he said, Danny, it only took about 10 minutes. But after 10 minutes, I felt better. I felt like I couldn't kill myself anymore because somebody actually cared about me enough to ask me how I was and, and to listen. So what I would say to all these people that are walking by who feel so important, take 10 minutes and find somebody like me, somebody who you don't know, someone who you'd never talk to normally, and go up to them and just ask them how they're doing. You have no idea. I wish I would have seen that man again. I've never seen him again, but I would have told him that he would save my life that day. Those 10 minutes saved my life. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Well, I wish I had seen, I wish I've gone back to see Corey often, but he hasn't been on that street corner anymore. I wanted to tell him how much his story changed my life and how much it's changed other people's lives. Because every show that I go on, every talk that I give, every presentation that I do, every audience that I talk to, I find a way to tell Corey's story and to ask people to do what Corey asked people to do. By this point, Corey's story has been heard by millions of people, and, and many of them are going out, spending 10 minutes with other people, asking them how they're doing. And I wish I could go back and tell Corey that story. But we have no idea the effect that our words have. That man has no idea he saved Corey's life. Corey has no idea that he's touched millions of people's lives. Yeah. So take a moment. This is my challenge to anybody who's listening. Take 10 minutes out of the course of your life and find someone you don't know and just ask them how they're doing. You don't need to fix them. You don't need to change them. You don't need to help them. You don't need to convert them. You don't need to do anything for them. Just love them enough to listen to them yeah. and let them feel valuable for a few minutes in your, in your eyes and your ears. Absolutely. Incredible story. I mean, I think that really just depicts the idea that we are in a world of distractions, a world of, of um, deception, really. I mean, we're, we're just, we're trying to live our, this life that we, you know, pursue of, you know, where you want, when, when I get to this point, I'll be at a place that I can stop and I can talk to somebody. When I get to this point, I'll be at a place I can, I can help the homeless or, you know, whatever it is. Um, whether it's money or, you know, or anything, but we always talk about that when I get to that, that spot. And so that story is just saying, no, you, you're in a, you're in the position you're in and you can help somebody at that position at that time. Um, and that time always changes. And so, you know, what I'm hearing from you is just the, 
this mentality of innovation is, you know, the, the, the mosaic is that combination of uh, all of us coming together and, you know, not, it's not just, um, not accepting just the, the differences or actually accepting the differences of, of people and accepting who they are, not for what they believe or what they think or, or maybe the ideas. Cause I mean, ask yourself this, I mean, 10 years ago, or, you know, you were talking about it earlier, but you know, when you were writing the book or when you were in that position of leadership or, or whatnot, you know, you felt, um, that your ideas at that point were the best ideas ever. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then today you're looking back going that that's totally. not, you know, I don't totally. believe it anymore. Totally. Um, so totally. I think that's, go ahead. The, I remember a time where I sat down with a friend of mine and I was going through a little pity party you know, and saying how my life was hard. And I've had a lot of pain in my life also. And I was talking about the pains in my life and I was talking about the pity party and he looked at me and he just said, Danny, I so understand. But ask yourself this question. Do you realize that 98% of the world would take a look at your worst day that you could ever imagine and dream that to be the best day that they've ever had? Your biggest pains right now are someone else's dreams that they wish they could have the opportunity to have the life that you have wherever you're at. You might be on the street homeless, but you're not in some country in a prison cell being, being torn. You might be in a prison cell, but you have a roof over your head and, and, and meals that you're eating. If you would imagine that your worst moment is someone else's biggest dream, you would get out of your pity party pretty quickly. Absolutely. And what the mosaic really is about, it's about listening and hearing other people's stories. And it's about seeing everything that we see from a different perspective. And we can't do that unless we listen to other people tell us their perspective. Absolutely. So by listening to each other, we see a world that we've never seen before. I believe in a world where everything is possible. We can reverse anything that exists. There are people that grow cartilage and bones. There are people that heal themselves from incurable diseases. There are things that happen. The only reason I don't know how to do anything that I think something's impossible is I haven't seen yet a way to make it possible. But who knows, Zach, in talking to you and listening to you, you might show me a way of seeing the world that I never saw before. And that one thing may be just the thing, the piece that I was mid missing to make what I believe to be impossible possible. We never get that opportunity if we don't listen to other people. Absolutely. So, I don't, you know, we, we, we haven't talked about it much, but I'm in the middle of writing my book um, on communication and the, the whole I guess uh, idea of it is what we're talking about is the, the idea between, you know, just because you have your perspective or your, um, your understanding of whatever situation you're in doesn't mean you can't learn from that other person that you're having that conversation with, but then you have to be open and honest with that person with sharing your opinion, sharing your feelings towards that, that idea or topic or whatever it is so that, 
they can share their true opinion on it and then y'all can you take it and i guess mold a new you know a new perspective uh because of that other person's ideas and thoughts and and process so then that's what we're talking about here is you you take take that person for who they are and how they think about things and allow that to help you maybe change your perspective and look at it from theirs their perspective and then combine your like it's just a whole idea of just creating those opportunities to listen to people and that's a big um, a big thing I think we don't do enough of today um, at all and I'm, I'm right there with you like I struggle with that for for sure I'm definitely the the driven person the talker I'm gonna come into the conversation I'm gonna talk um, but it's been it's actually been nice here just letting you speak and just kind of I guess taking that deep breath and going kind of breathe and let let things flow um, and and let kind of me and, and hopefully the audience kind of hears it just let you speak and let you kind of share your um, experiences through through these stories I guess and it's been it's been incredible already but um, so let me share something with you if I can is are we do we have enough time for me to still share something with you yes. When I was given the assignment from my inner, my inner self to start a revolution of listening, I had a big, let out a big belly laugh. I said, you must be way down on the totem pole. I can't believe there aren't better people that you can get to do this work. I, I talk all the time. I'm a talker. I don't listen that much. And so can't you find anybody better at listening to bring a revolution of listening about in this world? I mean, I suck at that. And I heard two things back from my voice when I was quiet, when I listened. One was, that's why we're giving you this work to do. We want you to learn how to listen. It's not because you're good at it. It's because you need to learn how to do it. And when I was at Hay House, most of the people wrote the books they most needed to learn, not the ones they were good at. Yeah. And most people write the book they most need to learn, not the one they know. So listen, your, your assignment is to listen so you learn how to listen. But they said something else that was really intriguing to me. They said, you're actually a better listener than you realize. Because here's what you actually do. You don't even realize it, but here's what you actually do. Your stories are engaging enough that you capture the minds of people. So their minds get engaged in the stories that you tell. Well, the mind is where fear lives. The mind is where hesitation lives. The mind is where doubt lives. If you can engage the mind in your stories and your conversation, then the real work that you're doing, which is the work of touching a person's heart, the work of touching a person's soul, is unimpeded in your conversation. So as you're speaking to their mind, listen to their heart and soul. Hear what their heart and soul is saying and in the quiet of your, of your nonverbalness, talk to their hearts. Talk to their souls, love them, accept them, understand them, let them feel, feel, feel acknowledged and validated so that you're not only speaking and listening with your mouth and your ears, you're speaking and listening with your heart and your soul. And I would encourage people who are listening to learn to listen in a bigger way than just with their ears. Absolutely.
it taught me a huge lesson. Absolutely. And, and, you know, going back to the, you know, we write the books that we need to, to learn and that's exactly where I'm at. Like I struggle with that communication. I struggle with that, that listening. And, you know, I was told, um, and it took a couple of times for different people to tell me that I struggled to show empathy for people. And, uh, it took a few people at, in different areas of my life to, to tell me that for it to hit me hard enough, just like that fly again, it was like, okay, I mean, you know, you're putting it right in front of my face now. And so I have to look at it. I have to self-evaluate and say, am I who they say I am? And so he made me start thinking about that and go, okay, crap. I am, I don't show that empathy. I need to work on listening and seeking to understand people and letting them speak their their minds and show their stories and you know speak their opinion and their perspective and all that kind of stuff um before i jump in and speak and, and take over the, the conversation so it's definitely one of those that you know we we are teaching ourselves how to um to learn and grow but um i think what i want to get people to see is that you know you can't lose sight of that um, innovation. And so when, when, if I have a, you know, we have people that are listening, um, cause the, the, the deception, the definition of deception is not knowing something is that, that you're blinded to something. And I think yeah. my question would be is how do you get someone that doesn't know that, um, uh, maybe they are blinded to a certain thing. How, how do you get that person to start to see that, Thing that they're not that they're blinded to you know what I mean like I completely sense. understand um, you would like something that I'm doing and I, I'm gonna I'll invite you to it I'll send you a link to it I started something called 50 conversations with 50 strangers and I invited people to come into my zoom room people that I didn't know and to have the courage to just sit and have a conversation with someone they don't know. Um, I thought it was going to take a while to get 50 people. After my first post, I had 250 people reply. <laughs> I've had, so I, I call it now conversations with strangers because I've had hundreds and hundreds of conversations. One of the things that I've seen is in order to really listen to people and be there for people, my conversation has to be agendaless. As soon as I want you to see something that I'm saying, I'm no longer agendaless and, I, and, I'm, and I'm no longer listening. I'm trying to listen to manipulate you to hear. Mm. When I can come into the room agendaless, this is what happens. To my surprise, I didn't know how it was going to go. But what I've watched over hundreds and hundreds of conversations is when you feel loved and accepted, when you feel listened to and heard, when you feel acknowledged for what you believe and valid, and I val and I validate you for believing that. Doesn't mean I believe it, but I validate you, you for believing it. Suddenly, all the defensiveness that you have around those issues falls off of you. So all the protection that you put around you that's scared that you're going to get hurt, or feel intimidated, or feel made fun of for what you believe drops. And suddenly who you are emerges. Yeah. 
And sometimes people in that room see themselves for the first time, not because I told them you should see yourself. You need to be more open. You need to be just because I loved them and accepted them. When we love and accept people and listen to them and hear them and acknowledge and validate them, the magic of the world happens. We don't have to do anything other than that. We don't have to teach people. We don't have to help people. We don't have to change people. We don't have to correct people. We don't have to show people something they can't see. If we just love and accept people, they, they feel themselves. Hold it. I don't need this protection anymore. I'll let it drop. If we don't, what happens? I have a developmentally delayed daughter. She can't have conversations like this. When she tries to tell me something and I don't understand her, which somehow we're connected enough that I understand her more time than most people do, but sometimes she'll talk to me and I just don't understand her. Then she'll scream it. But it isn't the volume that made me not understand that it's her, her pronunciation. I just can't understand her pronunciation. When she screams it and I don't understand it, she'll have a tantrum. And I wish it happened like that quickly. Like she would say it, scream it, tantrum. But in her time frame, the world works differently. It's, yeah. It can be a day, days later or weeks later. When she tantrums and I don't understand it, then she attacks me. She'll come running and try and bite me or my shirt or do something. This went on for a long time, Zach. I have to tell you, I think I'm a sensitive guy. I think I'm trying to listen to people and hear people. This went on for 15 years. Of her th she's only 31 years old. So half of her life, she went on like this often, many times a day. Thank God, not every day. Finally, in the midst of her rage, one time she was running at me to just attack me. I was sitting there and I said, Elisa, you know how much I love you. You know how much I want to understand you. I'm sorry, I just don't understand what you're saying. Will you please tell me what you're saying in a different way? Don't use words. Communicate to me somehow else what you're trying to say to me. She stopped dead in her tracks. Her rage turned into this beautiful big smile. And she looked at me and in perfect English said, I am daddy. I looked at her like, what the F are you talking about? Like, <laughs> like what? why has this been going on for 15 years? And I don't know it. How in the heck are you doing that? And she took her finger and pointed to the side of her head. What I understood from that is that she was putting thoughts into my head. She was, she was communicating to me telepathically because she, her, her voice couldn't be heard. And I said to her, you little son of a gun, have you been putting thoughts into my head? And she started to laugh but it was the laugh of that, of the weight off her shoulders of being able to now show me how she was communicating to me and me finally getting it after 15 years of every day trying and not being heard. Well, we laughed for 20 or 30 minutes, just contagiously stop. I would keep going and she would, she would catch on with me and I would catch on with her and it felt like we were laughing for 10 years. Zach, here's the interesting thing. From that moment on, she's never screamed, tantrumed, or attacked again because she knows how to be hurt now. Here's how greedy I am as an individual. I wasn't happy with just that. I was happy that I finally had a relationship with my daughter. My daughter's and I's relationship has completely changed. But I wondered if it happened in the rest of the world that happened the same way. 
And I went out to the places that I worked with. I went to families that I worked with. I went to businesses that I worked with. I went to, to government people that I've worked with. And I watched their behavior. Darn if I didn't see exactly the same thing. When people speak and they don't get heard, they yell. When they yell and they don't get heard, they create a scene. They create havoc. They try and mess something up. When they create havoc and it doesn't work, they try, they, they attack, they shoot people in a square, they blow up a building, they ruin a marriage, they try and destroy a building, they do whatever they have to do. My developmentally delayed daughter taught me how to solve what I think could be just about any problem that exists in the world by just retrofitting it back to say, I can't, I don't understand you. Can you please find a way to make that I can understand you? Because I know when you feel heard, you won't need to yell, you won't need to tantrum, you won't need to attack. What is it you're trying to say and how do we deal with that? Imagine what that would be like in your business. Imagine what you'd be like in your family. Imagine how that would be like in education and schools. Imagine what it would be like in prisons and hospitals. There's no place where it won't apply that if we just concentrate on creating this revolution of listening, that if I don't understand you the way you're speaking, let's find a way that you can communicate to me that I will understand. Because what I want to know is what you think and what you feel. Because I know when you know what I think, what, when you know that I feel what you feel, I, I understand what you think. Even if I don't think like you, we'll still be friends. You won't blow up my building. You might blow up somebody else's building because they don't listen to you, but you won't blow up my building. You won't ruin my business. You won't destroy my marriage. It's so simple. It's, it's incredible like that. I mean, just because you're, you're sitting there saying that and I can see it over and over and over again in every area of, of our lives. Like, from my five-year-old, you know, throwing a tantrum because they're, you know, not, because I'm not understanding what they're wanting. And there's sometimes that, you know, when, when they're learning how to talk and like you said, they're, they're trying to learn how to pronunciate and, and, and say different words. And you're like, I just don't understand you. And they said it 10 times. And so at that point, they're starting to throw that fit. They're starting to scream. They're starting to get mad. And you're just like, I don't, I just don't know what you're meaning. And, it's, I don't, I don't know what you're saying. And so it's like, I, like I said, I can see it in every area of our life, um, business. Imagine it even more localized. That's what our bodies say to us. That's what our environment is saying to us. That's what our businesses are saying to us. If we would learn to listen, we think it's just people that talk to us. Everything's speaking to us. You don't think our environment is talking to us with the floods and the fires and the, and the stuff and the, and the hurricanes and tornadoes that are going on. You don't think our businesses are speaking to us when they're starting to lose money and do that. They're saying something to us. We're just not listening. You don't think our bodies are speaking to us when we have pain in our bodies and feel pain all over our bodies. You don't think they're trying to say something to us. We just say, Oh no, that's natural. That's what happens. A body gets older and it gets in pain or, or that's what happens to a business. People fight with each other. And this is what, this is the natural result. None of that is, is natural. It's all reversible. Everything is reversible. If we would only just listen to what it's trying to say. Because when we listen, there's no need to yell, tantrum, or attack. In any aspect, 
inner world, outer world. So as, as you've learned this concept, um, you know, today you're talking, you know, you've probably listened better today than you did yesterday um, or 10 years ago for that matter. Um, you know, I, I think one, what's one, like the one piece of advice for that person that um, understands they need to listen more, um, but, you know, are they ever going to get to a place where they need to stop? Stop. stop listening mm -hmm. uh, like like they've reached that that level of okay i'm here like we were talking about earlier like once i get to that point like are they ever going to get to that point of okay i'm a good listener i don't have to work on that anymore yeah when when at least for me what i'm noticing is there's no effort in listening anymore it's just it's just natural i want to i the more i listen to people the more I fall in love with what they have to say. Yeah. The more interesting they become to me, the more I see that the world, I'm always in, in, in amazement at how my perceptions of the world are not at all what they are, is not at all what the world looks like. And when I see that, when I see suddenly that the, every time I see the things that I see and I slide myself out of the way, I wonder, what would the world look like if I didn't see it through my eyes? Would the world still look the same? Or do I only see the world that I see? I don't see the world the way it is. I see the world that I see the way it is. Absolutely, yeah. And if I slide myself out of the way, what would that world look like? Pretty good chance that a lot of the beliefs I have not be there. Yeah. Pretty good chance that, you know, I might start to see a different world. And when I start to see that world, this is a magical place. One of the key points of the mosaic is nothing, nothing, nothing is as it seems. Not the people that we make a first impression on, not the businesses that we're involved in, not the way the world works, not what we believe, nothing is as it seems. And so if nothing is as the way as it, as it seems, what is it? Yeah. Right? Then you start to have this, like every moment is becomes an adventure. Like if I did, if I would see it differently than I see it, if I would listen to things that, that, and I would hear things that I never heard before, what would I hear? Like what's available to us? I'm having conversations with people. This is really weird. I'm, and I can't believe I'm saying it to you because we don't know each other very well. I'm having conversations with people thousands of miles away that I don't even know, but they're hearing something that I'm saying and, and it's changing their life and they're writing me to say, we've never met each other, but I just want you to know that I just, I just feel something in you that has changed me. And I'm saying, what the heck are you talking about? Like, how is that possible? But we're energy. We're not these forms. We think that we're these bodies. We think everything's solid. But science and metaphysics are telling us the same thing, quantum physics. We're, if you look at this body under a microscope, you don't see more form in it. You see energy. You see swirls of energy swirling around. There's nothing solid in it. So we see a solid world, but there's nothing solid in the solidity of what we see. That should be enough to blow you right off of your chair. Absolutely. Right? And what happens when we realize we're this energy? What becomes available to us at that point? 
I'm breathing the same molecules that Mahatma Gandhi breathed, that Jesus Christ breathed, that, that Adolf Hitler breathed. Everything is at my disposal. It's just out here. I can, I can bring it in, in a moment. Why would I ever be poor? Why would I ever be alone? Why would I ever wonder what, how, I, how I can live my life? Everything's here if I just draw on the energy of what I want. We're one mosaic piece away from an entirely new reality. The pieces we surround ourselves with can either be walls that keep us protected or, or tunnels that carry us through or bridges that take us to a whole other world out here. It's all there connected to us if we would just reach out and, and take it. Open ourselves up to it. That's, I think if, people, if people stayed through this point, I, I admire them because we've probably blown their mind in a more than a few cases, right? Oh, absolutely. I know, I know you've blown my mind for sure. And um, I guess it's actually just really dug even deeper into my thoughts of this whole idea, like of that, of you know, destroying that self-deception of what we believe and that we have to believe something like we have to have that mindset and you can like you can have this thought of i don't really have a certain belief on whatever but we're always asked well what do you believe on this topic what do you believe on this and it's like why do we have to conform to that belief system of there's all there has to be a concrete idea behind you know a concrete belief of a topic or an idea and uh, like keeping it open like this because like you said you have that mosaic those pieces come together to form um something we're not used to in in, in society like if we would stop worrying about being on separate sides and just being together it, it would open up doors that nobody knew were there yeah i think that's the key and that's what i'm getting out of your your, your discussion about your book and all of this. So it's really incredible um, to, to hear. I think the big thing, big takeaway for me that I'm hearing is to um, pay attention to um, what's bothering you, like what's out there, that what that fly that's, you know, keeps landing on your cheek. Um, pay attention to those things to, and open yourself up to, does it have to be that way? Yeah. And as soon as you noticed it was there, and as soon as you, we sort of gave it a story, you notice it hasn't come back. It's not there anymore. Exactly. <laughs> right? And so that fly is the whole story of what we've been talking about. Absolutely. It seemed like it would never leave you alone. As soon as you noticed it and acknowledged it and, said, and saw what could be possible there, it hasn't come back. How is that possible? How is it possible that things change like that without us even understanding it? In the yeah. same way this world is, 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 that we think is so much the way we see it, what would, what would be possible if it wasn't the way we saw it? What would be possible if the way we saw it was only one way to see it? And we slid ourselves out of the way and saw it another way. And then we slid ourselves out of the way and saw it another way and slid ourselves out of the way and saw it another way. When people ask me what I believe, I always tell them what I believe, but I say I believe it until someone can show me why what they believe has, has more value, value than what I have. And then I'll change in a minute. It's not like a challenge to them, but I don't want to believe something that's wrong. So why not believe what, why not believe 
the and allow the truth of this moment to show us what we need to see. Absolutely. Well, I I really appreciate the conversation. I, I it's been incredible. Um, it was actually way beyond what I thought it was going to be uh, to start this conversation, but I I think it's uh, very beneficial. It was very beneficial for me, and I hope my audience will will agree to that. So. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, um, maybe where they can get the book, um, that type of thing. The book is available on, on Amazon. Uh, it's amazon.com. We also have what's something that's really fabulous. We have a book club that we've started that runs every other month where we go. It's a four-week course. It costs like $40. It's nothing. Where we go every day you receive 14, uh, 14 minutes of assignments. And it, it goes through the characters in the book so that you actually make the book your own book. It becomes much more real. In another, I, we just sent the book on audio to Audible. So in, by the, I don't know when the show will air, but probably by the time the show airs, it will also be available as an audio, audio book that you can get it. it it'll take, it's, it's about three and a half hours to, to listen to it. It's a fabulous story. I can't encourage people to listen to it more not because of the money that I make from it. It's, I don't make much money from it when it's all said and done. But what it will do is it'll invite you to see the world differently. And you can see all of that through my website, danielbrucelevin.com or the other one, themosaiconline.com. Um, check out the conversations, check out the stuff we're doing. And if it feels right, I invite anyone who's listening to come and have a free conversation with me for one hour where you become the center of the, of the room, where, where we go into your life and take a look at what you're doing, what you see, and share who you are with the world around you. Because I believe every single one of us wants to be seen and heard. We want to be listened to and, and, and acknowledged for what we believe. And we want to be loved and accepted. And if I can carry any part in sharing that with people that are listening, I'm here for you. Contact me. That's awesome. Uh, that's, that's incredible, man. I appreciate it. And we, we all thank you for, for joining us today and um, look forward to having another conversation with you in the future, for sure. I, I look forward to that. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You're no problem. Man. Thank you for listening to this episode. I wanted to leave you with one question, and that is, what is the one thing that is deceiving you from your dream future? If you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and subscribe so that you can get every episode delivered to your library as soon as it's published. We want to get your feedback as well, and so that it'll help us grow and get the content that you want. Please take a moment and rate and review this podcast. Take a screenshot of that review and send it to Zach, Z-A-C-H, at aafinancialcoaching.com and you can get a free coaching session for any area of your life. Also, go check out our private Facebook group for our podcast family. It's called All Around Wellness Podcast Family, where we answer your questions and discuss ways to, for you to grow and learn from others' experiences. We will have experts being a part of the group and they will chime in and help where they can. Um, and as you feel, if you have a story that is worth the audience listening to and, and learning from, then feel free to share. And contact, contact us at Zach at aafinancialcoaching.com with any questions you have. Thank you.